to come before you with thanksgiving, with praise, with understanding of who we are, Lord, that we are um, imparted to be here. We've assigned, we're assigned to be here in your presence, Lord. This is where we belong. And we thank you for your abiding presence upon our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. 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 (laughs) So today we're going to talk about the fact that there's no shame in this righteousness game. Amen. There's no shame (laughs) in this righteousness game. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. (laughs) So we're going to examine the concept of shame and, and where it comes from, what it means to human life and all of the aspects of it and why it's not what God wants for us and what he did to remedy it and how we can apply that to our lives. So there's quite a bit to understand here and hopefully we can get through uh, most of it today. If not, there's always another day to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. To study these things and make sure that you're dealing with things in the appropriate manner so that you can be all or receive all that God has uh, provided for you. So um, first of all, we're going to find out where shame comes from. Where did it originate? And the first indication we see of it in the word of God is in the third chapter of Genesis. It originated with iniquity. It appears to be attached to and quite a, a large component of iniquity we know iniquity was imputed as a result of sin when uh, Adam and Eve disobeyed God they lost their righteousness or their protective covering or their innocence Uh, it's really hard to describe what their state really was Uh, but we know that they were uh, in a state of fellowship with God Uh, they were in a state where everything they did was good everything about them was good Uh, And it was contingent upon them keeping some rules. In fact, it looks like only one rule. And it was the rule related to partaking of a particular tree in the garden that was forbidden. And now the the $64 million, trillion dollar question is, why was that tree there? (laughs) Why do we have choices to make? Why, 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 why? Well, if you think about it, the Bible says God was created in man's image totally uh, I'm sorry man was created in God's image totally like him uh, and God has the ability to make right choices so man had to be given the ability to make right choices now how many of you know God doesn't deal in intellectual things he deals in real things he deals in faith behavior and things that make sense uh, God is is the all or nothing God. He, he either believes in us 100% or he doesn't believe in us at all. And so when the test came to see what man would decide given the ability to and the facts to make the decisions with full disclosure of what the consequences would be, we see that man made the wrong choice but there was a reason he made the wrong choice. The reason was deception, deceit, and subtlety of the enemy. There was a, another factor involved here. And so we were not sure. You know, we all have our little ways of interpreting what happened. What, But if you look at just the facts of it, 
the serpent was known to be a subtle uh, uh, animal and it therefore was I think particularly should have been watched and his words examined for the content of them and so if God gave man the ability to make the choice and make a decision he must have given him some level of discernment to decide where that voice was coming from etc etc because we have to do the same thing as believers we have to decide where voices are coming from you understand if they're coming if they're if they're the voice is a voice that uh, has in it some twinge of uh, um, uh, sinfulness some darkness something like that we can discern those things especially with the Holy Spirit and when you're a kid your mother gave you the ability don't go around certain people don't don't you know and that if you listen to her when you got around those people some warning went off on you you understand what I'm saying so we're all built so that we can make these distinctions somehow that distinction was missed because they had looked at that tree and something went off in them for a long time and told them that tree wasn't good but then one day the woman looked and saw differently she saw it and so we say that that is deception that had come into her soul that caused her to see what used to be wrong is now good and don't tell me that's new see that's an old game with the devil you've been taught all your life certain things are wrong and then you get around some friends and you're told it's something different you believe you understand what I'm saying and that's how the devil operates and so he was able to impute iniquity into humanity being that they were the first man and woman on the earth and whatever they did became an inheritance after that and so it became our inheritance in fact the Bible says that we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity so there must have been a reshaping or reforming of their souls in some way for that to be true and so what happened is that it appears that iniquity began to permeate everything about humanity our purpose became selfish and sinful our thoughts became self-centered not loving but concerned with us only our motives our desires and hopes are all fashioned in iniquity we may want the same things that God wants for us but we want them differently your natural man wants things differently when you get involved in kingdom living you find that that when God said to man to the man the one be fruitful multiply replenish the earth and subdue it what people hear and this is a common thing in human beings is there what what psychologists call drives so in what they are they are 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 words that God imparted to us that are an inheritance in us because you know God never takes anything back he will modify it he will process it differently but he doesn't have to take anything he's God when he makes up his mind and speaks words those words stick so we're always going to be fruitful multiply replenish the earth and subdue it but we do it with iniquity and it destroys everything so you may want to have a family but you don't really care to do it 
God's way with God's purpose you know you want to have kids so that you know everybody wants beautiful children look in the mirror and see how likely that is get you and the husband right in front of that mirror you understand am I lying if I'm lying I'm flying as they used to say (laughs) you understand how iniquity works I'm just painting a picture here folks so you can see how it works we all want super smart kids when they're smart we take credit when they're not it's somebody else's fault it's never a blessing from God you know that you had nothing to do with I've heard a few people say honey I don't know how that kid got in the family trust me (laughs) you understand me it's all perverted and twisted Huh? You want them to be super smart, but you don't want to put in the effort to help them with homework, get tutors, whatever it is that you understand what I'm saying. So your 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 desires, even the good desires that God put in man, get twisted, perverted, and messed up because of iniquity. We don't want to mess them up. Most everybody goes in life with the desire for good things to happen to them, but somehow I tried my best and it just really didn't work out. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's iniquity. It gets involved in stuff like sticky glue. And it gets on stuff and you had no intention of putting it and getting it involved in that. Let's start out with the best of intentions. You can do everything right according to the book that that the world gives you to deal with. You know, and that's whatever. You know, if you have problems, you go to the psychiatrist, psychologist, or you got challenges, you go here, there, and everywhere. You you try your best to get things straightened out, and they're never quite straightened out. And so that's that's iniquity. It just kind of fouls up everything. And pretty soon, pretty early in your life, you learn that something bad could happen with situations. And somehow, sometimes people get this mentality of, of such failure that they never attempt to do anything. Or if they do, they make a few feeble attempts and when it doesn't work out right, then we go around and we're ashamed and confounded. And so all of these Ideas, emotions, spirits run hand in hand together. The idea of shame, the idea of embarrassment, of fear, of failure, uh, not attempting anything, not not thinking it's going to come out right. They all come in together even though in our pride we will tell ourselves we can do anything. See, in our boasting, we tell ourselves we're capable of this, we can do that. You know, one day you just decide, well, I just want to be a doctor. And you stand up and declare it to everybody. And until you're challenged with medical school, I guess it flies pretty good. You understand what I'm saying? There's a reality that comes in on our hopes and our dreams and the things that we desire that will either challenge it or we'll find a way to overcome the challenge. That's why it's so rare, you know, we see people are accomplished we just make a big deal of it because it's so rare that it really works out well for people you understand and so this is all the result of iniquity 
With iniquity, though, the first emotion that was experienced with it was shame. And so in Genesis 3, I'll take you there and show you <coughs> to begin. We get our foundation there. In Genesis 3.10, Adam's speaking to God here. He said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. Why? Because his nakedness had been exposed to him. He said, I was naked and I hid myself. God says, who told you? You had to get that information or that awareness from somewhere. See, So here's a different element has been introduced into their lives and God knows it. One of the things that happens with iniquity and with shame is that when righteousness shows up it feels even more exposed. It's hard to you. In fact, you cannot hide anything in the face of righteousness. So God's showing up in the garden made their shame even more pronounced, made their nakedness even more pronounced. This is why you have such a hard time sometimes talking to your sinner friends. Because when you show up, righteousness shows up. And the things that they don't want exposed are even more difficult for them to hide now. That's why you get some of the conversation. You get offended. They they want to offend you. They want to hurt your feelings. They want to tell you you're not a good Christian. Get away from me. All this kind of stuff. They don't want to be around you. And this is why. Because what came into them into the, in the fall was the shame about their nakedness or their absence of righteousness or absence of contact with God, a friendship with God, a fellowship with God. Their distance from God became aware uh, or pronounced to them. And now they have to try and figure out a way to cover it back up and hide it. And so that awareness of something's not right about me comes to everybody. And so we live our lives trying to keep it hidden. Not only from everybody else but from ourselves as well. It appears that shame came in to replace love and to replace because it became a covering for them and it became something that that, uh, caused them to be exposed. And so when the man said, I was ashamed and I hid myself, he became aware of not only his nakedness but also his poverty his disobedience, the curse and and, uh, uh, a fear of God came upon him, a sense of indebtedness came. All of that came as one big blow to them while they were standing there in the garden. And, And that's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to overwhelm us with himself. He wants to make us fear him. And so then when shame comes in, we have this sense that we're on our own. We have to go about things our own devices. You see the Bible says they made the little fig leaf coverings to cover themselves. I'll back up and read that because I want to make sure I get that in. It says here, if you go back in, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, And the eyes of them were both opened. And they knew that they were naked. So they had a knowledge that came into them. 
Amen. And they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves aprons and they heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden and the Lord called to Adam and said to him where are you and he said I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked now if you look at the experience that they're having here they are being bombarded with different emotions different attitudes different expectations it's like everything is crashing down in on them at one time you ever feel that way it was just even getting some a threat of bad news will cause your mind to you know just go in a thousand different directions you start anticipating and imagining all kinds of things going wrong and, and, and you'll see in the Bible and I'll show you that in a little while shame is always associated with confusion being confounded not having hope not having possibilities being bereft being alone being abandoned and, by, and being by yourself and so they felt all these emotions they felt that they were orphaned they felt that there was no way back they felt confused and bombarded so you see fear coming in there and an unnatural and an, 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 a fear of God that was not normal for them before they had a reverence for God as their father and their creator it was healthy now they have a fear that's like you know and it and it, it'll it'll go into extremes all the extremes of fear that we see in humanity now they experienced all of that just when God showed up you know the paranoia what's going to happen to me what's he going to do what does he want now but they were able at least to respond to God and to let him know exactly what they had done so they confessed having eaten um, well no he asked them who told them that and he asked them if they had eaten from that tree because the tree told them that they were naked amen by partaking of it and so anyway you get all of these emotions coming in one of the the uh, definitions for shame also includes damnation so there's a sense of being condemned when shame comes to you that you can't get rid of it the Hebrew word for shame is defined as to put to shame to confound to confuse or to damn to curse someone to be damned <coughs> shame is defined in the dictionary as a painful emotion caused by a strong sense of guilt embarrassment unworthiness or disgrace now the interesting thing about shame is that in in parts of the Bible it talks about somebody being brought to shame which means that somebody can put shame on another person which leads me to think it's a spirit because it can be imputed so really if you think about it shame took the place of 
righteousness because we have righteousness imputed to us but we can impute shame the child that has to sit in the corner when he doesn't know the answer to a question you know we know that's perverted now you know thank god people have gotten a lot smarter whether we've gotten smarter and do something about it i don't know but this shame thing is something we impute on people all the time it used to be that uh uh you know say like murderers and uh, people who did you know unthinkable crimes were the outcasts of society now we do that to everybody you know if a man beats his wife you know who doesn't have a temper there is there's no hope for that person they're shamed and condemned by society they're thrown off into a corner they're no good anymore you know oh you know you're worth more than that why don't you leave you know and, and get somebody better and then she goes and the same thing happens <laughs> you know you wonder and so this is something that that we impute to one another all the time and the fact that we have shame and we don't do anything about it you know we try to hide who we are from people or hide these things from people must mean that we empower one another to impute that see if I don't tell you something this is something about me I don't want anybody to know and, and I don't tell you about it if you find out about it I've given you power over me haven't I see by being ashamed you got me and so this is something that is extremely common in humanity this guilt shame debt fear iniquity syndrome it's very very pervasive and sometimes it can run your life in such a way that you feel there's no hope for that you're stuck with it and you can't live any other way you can't live on it any other way you feel now there's a distinction made between shame and guilt shame and embarrassment seem to be directed at yourself your total being for instance I'm ashamed and because I'm ashamed I carry this with me all the time and it doesn't matter what it's connected to it's not really connected to anything see anything's liable to trigger it for instance if you're a kid and you you look at your 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 life in comparison to other people's lives so you got neighbors and you, you look at oh your daddy does this your daddy does that your daddy does this and my daddy may be a janitor but because I'm surrounded by people's daddies that I compare I might internalize shame about that and somebody might say well what does your dad do oh he's a uh, he's a supervisor see anything to get rid of the shame that I internalize about that now the fact that I've attached it to one thing means that I can attach it to many things because it's just there all of the time it has become a part of my life so there's always going to be something that's going to trigger that feeling and when that comes then I have to come somehow cover that up myself I got to do something so oh if they ever found out this about me you got me then we have all got it 
And it doesn't matter what you attach it to. That's what I'm trying to get you. That's not really why you feel that. It's because your daddy doesn't have the right kind of job. That's not why you feel shame. You feel shame because you were born with it. And you can attach it to anything you desire to attach it to. So daddy gets a better job. Did that take it away? Absolutely not. It's still there. You're going to feel it about something. You'll get around different groups of people. And you'll start to feel uncomfortable. Ooh. Why am I feeling uncomfortable? Oh yeah, I know what it is. They're smarter than me. So I'll gravitate to people that I don't feel that way about. And I'll get with the ADD group. Listen, honey, this is how every underground group gets its power over people. They let you feel okay about what you are supposed to be ashamed of. This is a false righteousness. What's happened is somebody's absolved you of your shame by telling you you can do anything in this group you want to do and we'll accept you and you're okay. Except we do have the right to dictate certain behaviors that you must do. That's how the enemy drives us with shame. He drives us to different. You know the the gang children are, are just driven there. Because they're they're allowed to be quote unquote who they are. Without shame. Except when the group decides they want to use that same shame that they absolved you of. Now they want to use it to empower themselves against you. So they start picking at you because you haven't done a drive-by yet. Or you haven't proven yourself worthy to be in this gang. There's always a payoff. And so when they decide they want to use it against you, they pull out that same thing that they told you. (laughs) You didn't have to worry about with us. And they use it against you. So in, in, in groups... Pressure groups like this, especially under the underworld, so to speak, or the underground lifestyle that's off the grid of what's what we consider in our society basically normal, which is those are very few, you know, very few things that are normal anymore. You know, you never know where society is going to go. Especially when your general society tends to sanction everything. And there are no laws and no morals anymore. But in those subgroups, shame is used then as a very powerful tool against people to cause them to conform to certain behaviors. Because you've given them power to use it against you because you let them tell you you were okay. Whoever absolves you of this shame becomes your God. Huh? Because only God can take that away from you. Only God can tell you you're okay. Only God can impute righteousness to you 
and cause you to come up from that position of shame and that position of embarrassment and feeling that you're inadequate. Now shame is different from guilt. We just said shame is something you, it's imputed to you. It's in your nature anymore. It's in your soul anymore. It's entangled in all of your thoughts, decisions, hopes, and desires. Guilt, though, is something that is attached to a specific act. So you do something that violates your conscience or violates your moral law, moral code, and you feel guilty about that act. And guilt will come and go. Sometimes guilt can be massaged away from your soul. It can be uh, rationalized away from your soul. You know, you, you the first time people who become promiscuous, uh, you know, their first sexual encounter, they feel guilty about it. And then they get around people and they're eventually told everybody does it anyway and it gets kind of, you know, huh? So guilt and embarrassment are really related to things that we do, where shame is related to something that we are. It's just there all the time. It has nothing to do with an activity. It can be attached to anything. And that's why it is so important that it be removed from our lives the correct way. Just as guilt was imputed, or shame was imputed, Righteousness has to be imputed in order to deal with it. That's the only answer for that. Even so much so that we see God show up with it in the garden. So we go back to Genesis 3 verse 9. God called to Adam. He said, where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. When God hears all this come out of his mouth, God being a faithful creator... And crowning his creation with loving kindness and tender mercy. He is merciful to everything he created. God has a plan already established to bring them back to him and impute righteousness to them so that they can live a life for him. So that he has a rescue for them. And he said, who told you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree where I've commanded you you shouldn't eat? And the man said, you know, this the blame game goes on here. The woman, see God, you shouldn't have, you never should have brought her to me. Because the first time she came up here, I told you I wanted to marry her. I was in love, God, I couldn't help myself. Why'd you do that to me, God? See, that's typical about shame. It never goes anywhere. You try to put it here, you try to put it there. Can't go. You blame other people for what you feel. Absolutely. It's never your fault. Because if you own it, then you have to try and do something that makes you responsible to do something about it. So you think. So he says. The man said to the woman, the woman you gave me, she gave it to me and I ate. And God said to the woman, what did you do? She said, well, the devil made me do it. He tricked me. The Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed. He'll say, I put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. It will bruise your head. You will bruise his heel. So there's their rescue plan. 
there's their rescue there's their escape so not only are they ashamed but they leave there with a promise there's a hope imparted to them even on top of all of this that hope is what you and I tap into when we go out and share Christ with people if it weren't for that your words of witnessing and that's your guarantee that your words of witnessing will pay off one day because there is a hope of a redeemer to come there is a hope that they will get beyond this there is a hope that they will get back to the garden and back to the good life that they had in fellowship with God that's what the hope is Adam and Eve understood it well over the generations we've lost this understanding of it that's why we have to come back and preach the gospel to every creature the gospel in itself is all of these books in history of God with man throughout generations in a nutshell so then God encapsulates that message for us the same message of hope that was imparted to them as they were were banned from the garden now brings us into an opportunity to share and everybody has it folks there's nobody who doesn't that's why he says preach the gospel to every creature because everybody can be saved because of this little nugget of information that was imparted to them as they departed from God to the woman he gave her a separate job and identity for the man before they were one totally now they have because life is going to be so difficult he'll have to kind of split them up as far as what they're able to do so the woman has to focus her life on bringing this seed into the earth he said it's the seed of the woman not the man the seed of the woman is going to redeem the world so the bible says the woman is saved in childbearing the woman is honored in childbearing and because she she has the capacity to bring the savior of the world into the world but her sorrow and conception is multiplied we see a lot of babies that that are are or miscarriages we see babies now aborted legally we see them uh, die in childhood illness all that kind of stuff because the curses come into the earth the Adam he said that you know you're gonna uh, work hard for your living the, the, the soil the earth is going to be against you won't be like this garden the trees produced everything you just ate freely and all you had to do really was tend the garden which to me kind of amounted to just you know picking off what you wanted and going to sleep <laughs> pretty much <laughs> the good life <laughs> thorns and thistles it'll it'll uh, it'll uh, bring and uh, but in verse 21 the Lord made coats of skins and clothed them. So this promise that he made to them was sealed in the blood of an animal. So here we see the first evidence of a blood covenant and an atonement for their sin right there in the garden. And so there's a shadow there of Christ, a complete picture 
not a partial picture a complete picture that the seed of the woman would come and defeat the serpent for them through his blood through his shed blood for the atonement of their sins and so really that's how righteousness gets imputed to us and shame is removed should be removed should be removed so you have the ability now to overcome this imputed shame on your life this feeling of inadequacy the shame makes you feel unworthy it makes you feel that you're not supposed to go any farther than where you've gone in life it pigeonholes you it keeps you stuck somewhere keeps you from going anywhere because it's competing against the atoning righteousness of God in your life so shame if you feel shame about anything or or it starts to pull at you it starts to hinder you and keep you from going forward then you know that it's working against the righteousness that God has imputed for you sometimes we feel ashamed about certain things and there's no reason to feel it about certain things it just needs to be dealt with as a a part of iniquity on your soul and rooted out so that you can get freed up to do everything God called you to do not just certain things that you feel comfortable with you had to overcome a, a certain degree of shame to get as far as you did but we sometimes get stuck somewhere and we let that thing start to creep back on us again and keep us from going any farther in God because it will will stand there and oppose everything that we want to do as though it really deserves some kind of, of attention or deserves some kind of credibility on our part shame is always connected in the word of God with confusion confounding and fear they're all tied together and damnation in Job 6.20 it says they are confounded because they hoped and it didn't come to pass turn there if you want to I'm going to read it to you it kind of amazed me when I started to look at this how much this is really the culprit you know how there's something going on somewhere and you can't really figure out what now what is this thing that keeps you know I keep stepping out I keep developing my faith for certain things I want to step out I want to and it's this little creepy thing you know it's, it's tied with other things but it's kind of the lead thing you know people will say I, I preach about this a lot with people when you want to step out in faith and uh, people will think things like you know especially if it's time you know is going by I wonder what I did wrong that it's taking so long for this you see what I'm saying it's the shame thing that keeps coming to overwhelm you because you can't really put your finger on it you know something ain't right somewhere and you can't really pinpoint it and you don't get an answer for God about it the reason you don't get an answer from God is is he's already taken care of it you see what I'm saying you're imputing the wrong thing over your your life and your promises so here in Job 6 verse 20 oh I'm not even in Job yet let me find this I just are going on and on and on and on. Hang on a second. <laughs> let me let me find my let me find my scriptures. 
Fish, quick fish. Six verse 20. <laughs> it says, They were confounded because they had hoped. They came there and were ashamed. So, really, shame comes to dash your hopes. And when you do start to hope about something and reach out for you ever had had something come to your thought life and it something came up later after that you made it you tried to make a decision to want that or believe or make turn your mind that way in a positive manner and then something comes up nah you get, that's that thing you see what I'm saying shame will come up and negate every good thing that you desire in life especially when it comes to attaining it it brings doubt with it because doubt will give you a legitimate reason why you can't have it but shame is the lead guy in that because what the next thought that comes to you says something like this suppose I try to do that and it doesn't work I'll be ashamed you see and so uh, this thing is it leads you around because it, it will get in there and start to at first it starts to get you uncomfortable about certain things in your life and then before, before long it's covered everything because then everything's an impossibility for you because this thing keeps riding in on every thought <laughs> it's like a little hitchhiker you understand what I'm saying on the road of iniquity there's a hitchhiker called shame and he hitches and attaches himself to everything that's going down that road <laughs> that's, that you might want to look at as something that's good in your life so he says they were confounded because they had hoped and were ashamed see if something you hope for doesn't come to pass you don't have to pick up shame to go along with you but he wants to get on the bus before the bus even takes off see if he can get on the bus with the thought before you even take off with it he'll stop you from even going forward and trying to accomplish anything sometimes people have their hopes falsely in themselves you got me your own abilities worst thing in the world to invest in and put your confidence in but we do it anyway huh success really is 99% God and maybe 1% you or us or any of us huh because we're not guaranteed it on our own you know you can you can be as qualified as you want to for any job you want to have and the person in charge could have a cousin that they want to give that job to and they'll pick that cousin over you choices have nothing to do with abilities oftentimes I mean cuz might get in there and can't do the job and you know they'll cover for him for a while but he got he got in there on top of you that's the whole thing of it and so the standards are never fair because they're made up by people only God can override that and get you into a situation that you're barely qualified for but he qualifies you 
he'll confound the wisdom of the wise every single time see he'll get you into a position where you can can function and you can can just trust him to get you there if you humble yourself to God and stay under his authority and under his care he'll help you to go far now I'm not saying don't go to medical school and call yourself a doctor and you know what I'm saying you know what I'm saying I'm talking about you know a large percentage of opportunities come because of who we know and who puts us in there you know not so much because of whether or not we can some jobs that you know robots can do you can program machines to do certain things and so these things have and see people sometimes people will focus so much on natural qualifications because of shame shame can be the driving force in all of our seeking schooling seeking degrees seeking you know what I'm saying because it's going to elevate you in somebody's eyes you hope and so you fight shame with papers <laughs> you know what I'm saying letters <laughs> that's why you see some <laughs> I hate to keep talking about all the apostles and prophets and bishops on Facebook. There's, there's so many of them, they make your hands bend. You know, some people can make up their mind who they are for the apostle, bishop, prophet, <laughs> pastor, teacher. They fivefold. I said, oh Lord, have mercy. All five in one. It is me. You know, anything else you want to pope, they'd be pope next. You know what I'm saying? Come on now. You got all these people getting in with the Catholic Church. Don't tell me some of these charismatics won't wind up there one day. Because they're joining the Catholic Church. <laughs> Say they like the sacraments. I said, you can do that in your. What's wrong with you? I'm telling you shame and see the reason I'm I'm talking about it I think so much is because it seems to be increasing in its influence with people who need to know better see people sometimes these things get released by the enemy because he sees that people aren't diligent about dealing with it in the face of righteousness the way they should you see what I'm saying like purging make sure you get purged of that you know temptation to opt for the false cover you understand what I'm saying instead of just God whatever you know what I'm saying <laughs> to the perp assume the position you know, pat me down and let's go on with this you know it's, I want your righteousness I don't want this groupy stuff out here you understand I don't want this you know the reason sometimes churches can't get any farther than they are in maturing people is that the the leadership doesn't know how to get beyond seeking something other than what God has for them. Shame will drive you to continue to to seek that. You see, some of them fall back into. They're so ashamed of it, they decide they can't fight it anymore. They fight it the wrong way, and they succumb to it because they just, you know just get tired of the fight not dealing with it appropriately Psalm 70 we'll go there I want to establish a little more connection between shame and, and the other little partners that because when you start 
getting these things working trying to work their way into your life you'll know you have to to deal with it he says let them be ashamed unconfounded shame and confusion ride along together just like it did in the garden Adam and Eve didn't know what to do they went to grab a fig leaf they tried to hide from God all of these devices will come to your thinking when shame is involved he said let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul let them be turned backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt so when shame is imparted or imputed to somebody that brings with them confusion that brings with them the inability to get beyond that situation and it causes failure confusion always causes failure in order to be successful you have to have clarity of thinking you have to have what they call wisdom and so when wisdom comes in everything about confusion and shame is dispelled because wisdom is a righteous impartation you can think clearly your ideas come to you clearly you understand and you can wait and hear from God you're not in a hurry you're not rushed you're not pressed you're not under any kind of fear or pressure righteousness will dispel all of that but once confusion gets in there the person can't decide what to do they don't see a way out and they know failure is imminent when confusion comes in you know because you can't grab for an idea that you think is going to work so failure is pretty much imminent it's pretty much guaranteed I remember when we you know in some of our prayers we would we would put confusion on different spirits that were trying to work their way in and, and get a grip and get a hold on people and situations and it works to defeat them because they cannot get a clear idea and nothing seems to work in an atmosphere of confusion Psalm 71 and verse 24 says my tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all day long that's your sure cure for shame embarrassment and confusion for they are confounded for they are brought to shame that seek my hurt so when righteousness comes in shame uh, confusion all of those things are dispelled and have no uh, opportunity to gain that righteousness will confound the works of the enemy you just keep speaking God's word you get in a situation where everybody's believing one way and you come up with something different they don't even know how to react it's like, I don't believe you said that what huh righteousness always confounds the work of the enemy brings confusion and failure to them Psalm 83 verse 17 I'll just keep going with these 83 and verse 17 let them be confounded and troubled forever yeah let them be put to shame and perish so you see shame confusion trouble and defeat all come in together and see if we don't accept God's righteousness as an antidote for this stuff we will fall to that confusion and defeat and shame because we won't have an answer see you won't have an answer 
in Isaiah 50, it talks about the Lord being my helper. I will not be ashamed and confounded. When God comes on the scene to help us, we are neither ashamed nor confounded. But you try and do it on your own, you won't have that assurance. In Isaiah 54, 4, I'll read that one. Isaiah 54 verse 4 it says fear not this is the prophet prophesying to Israel for you shall not be ashamed neither be you confounded for you shall not be put to shame so here it says you won't even have shame imputed to you you have instead righteousness imputed to you For you shall forget the shame of your youth. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes I'll I'll think about some of the situations I was in as a teenager. You know, it's like, oh, why did they make teenage years? You know? Can we just erase all of them? Don't even want to go through them. I can tell you there aren't many people when they get older and they think about the years they would like to repeat. Teenage ain't in none of that stuff. We just hope we can get over it. Thank God we didn't die there and get killed by some of the stuff we did. He, you will forget the shame of your youth Ugh. and not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. See, all of the things any, from the youth to the older years when you're, you're by yourself again. Everything's gone. The shame of all of that has been erased by the righteousness of God. I mean everything. Why? Because your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. The redeemer. I mean how many things can we call him in your life that are, are important to you where you need him to get rid of this nonsense for you? It's a wonderful thing. To have this shame, iniquity, this feeling of unworthiness. Shame makes you perceive yourself as defective, unacceptable, or fundamentally damaged. That's part of the definition of shame. The effect that it has on the human soul. So it's something that that is so much a part of you. It doesn't really matter what triggers that feeling. It's just going to be there until righteousness comes in. And you allow God to deal with that and his righteousness. Shame brings dishonor and disgrace and condemnation. See, It just makes you, puts you in that place where you feel so distant from God that there's no hope of retrieving a good life that he has for you. It'll do all of that. People go through great lengths to cover their shame. Sometimes it can be focused and attached on one thing. But if it's never really dealt with, it won't 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 move. So many people, I think about all the young people that are are have a, a stigma attached to the shame that they already feel. 
You understand what I'm saying? You know, that don't have a dad, you know. I mean, that's just like the worst feeling. Because if you don't have one, you don't know why he's missing. See? You don't know why he's missing. And that puts such a confusion on a young person's mind. Now, society will try to tell you it's not a big deal. You know, when you come into a knowledge of God, he helps those situations. But you've got to let him help them. See, if you don't tap into that help that he has, it's still going to be there. It's a challenge for people who have been knowing God for a while to get this thing to where it doesn't dominate or get to be a factor. It's very subtle in the way it operates. Very subtle. But it does give you, it makes you perceive yourself as defective. See? Many times people feel that it's a big issue for certain kinds of people, but it's an issue for everybody, folks. Once you understand how it works, you can't say, well, you know, uh, 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 Joyce Meyer preaches about it a lot in her life. Well, I wasn't molested like her, but you've got the same thing working. Hers just is more pronounced. She can understand it better because, but it's been working there all along. You see what I'm saying? And still works on all of us. And so we have to root these things out, folks. It's not just for people who have had a certain history and you think you're clear because you didn't. You know, you, we're all, all in need of God to remove this confounding situation from our lives. Sometimes you'll, you'll get to a place where something uh, seems impossible to overcome. And you'll let shame talk you out of confronting it. See, you've been confronting it all these years. And now, because of the length of time it's been wrong in your life, now you've taken on a different attitude about it. And the devil's talked you out of believing God for your miracle. Huh? No, there's tons of situations. You know, the the family reconciliation that's gone on more than 10, 15, 20 years. You know, the, the chronic illness that doesn't seem to get better fast, you know, or something like that. I mean, oh, there's all these things. And see, the reason people don't pursue it anymore is because shame's finally overtaken them and told them that there's no sense in trying to fight this anymore. Just stay with it the way it is. Just stay with it the way it is. And we don't have to. Jesus didn't die the bloody shameful death that he endured for us to pick up shame and not want to humble ourselves to him and expect his best anyhow see we can expect God's best anyhow amen you expect his best anyhow you expect your miracle anyhow that's how people get miracles they expect them anyhow in spite of what shame tells them, in spite of what it tells them they can't do, and you can't have this, and look at you, and look at what you did, and all this kind of nonsense. Yeah, devil, but you know what? I'm going to dance one day in church because God's going to heal me totally. So you can watch that. You can hide and watch, but I'm going to be right there doing it because I'm still believing him for my miracle. Let my righteousness speak for me. My righteousness will talk for me. So he says, the Lord is my helper. I will not be ashamed. 
you don't like me believing God then talk to God about it because I will not accept you shame I will not let you enter my life again I'll not let you stand between me and what God's promised me because it's not dependent upon my righteousness anyway not my right praying my right thinking my right nothing is dependent upon his righteousness that I'm leaning on depending on it's helping me it's holding me up it's doing everything for me so we will not be put to shame not be exposed devil you cannot put shame on me again it's already been removed by what Jesus did for me at Calvary you can't put it on me again Proverbs 3 5 shame is associated with foolishness not me it it makes you feel stupid put it to you that way Uh, Proverbs let me find it Proverbs 3 yeah, Proverbs three. Ah, that's not it. Oh. Hmm. I'll find another one though. I had I had several, so the devil won't stop me here. Amen. <laughs> In Romans five five, then we have our answer. <coughs> Romans five five. Maybe I should turn over. Aha, Proverbs 13. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yes, ma'am. Shall we do the. uh, Oh, yeah, I got it now. Proverbs 3 and verse 35. Yeah, the wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. A foolish person is one who is rebellious against the the words of God. So it's foolish to work and try all your might trying to be successful, get ahead without God's. You understand doing it God's way and without his help. So that will be your promotion. It will be embarrassment. And Proverbs 13 and verse 8 did I want 13? 18 I'm sorry 13, 18 poverty and shame shall be to him that refuses instruction you ever see people just don't listen to nobody they're always embarrassed they're always you understand what I'm saying poverty and shame shall be to him that refuses instruction but he that regards reproof shall be honored so see you see the humble person will listen and receive but the unwise person will receive nothing but shame and poverty in other words all of their efforts will avail them nothing because they don't receive instruction 
Why? Because shame always covers up the good things that God has for us. It's, it's, it's a barrier. It stands as a barrier between us and the reality of the hope that God has for us. So you can go off without wisdom, without instruction, and think you're, you know what people like that, they, this goes through their mind, I'm going to show them. See, I'm going to show them. See, they're always fighting this straw man, the, you know, beating the air. There's, there's a fight that's not even a, a fight that's going to, it's not the fight of faith. It's nothing, it's not going to avail them anything. They're always wrestling against flesh and blood, trying to fight their way out of this mentality of shame that they carry. So they feel that other people are imputing shame to them and looking down on them because they have that inadequacy in themselves to begin with. They're carrying it around. See, that's why it's a straw man. There's no substance there. It's an idea and they've they've given it life because they don't know how to receive instruction and fight it through the righteousness of God. And so they give it life. They give it power because they start to blame somebody else for bringing it to them and then they run off trying to show somebody in their own strength something that will get out there they get out there and get ashamed and defeated every single time broke busted disgusted can't really do anything for themselves why because they refuse instruction all you got to do is humble yourself somebody's got to help you with something to get through life lone ranger but see that orphan spirit when that thing comes on a person they feel like they oh oh, lord have mercy who's going to help me God's God is your helper you won't be ashamed if you trust God as your helper and he will put people in your life for you to humble yourself to their instruction so that you have somebody to check back with to see how you're going because you don't know what you're doing but see in your your false covering of your shame you try to promote yourself as somebody who doesn't need anybody's help and then you go about wanting to show everybody how stupid you are that's all you ever get to show anybody Shame will tell you things like, well, I'm tired of being the one that's always got to, you know, give cheap gifts. Or, you know, sometimes I like to keep my money in my pocket, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm always trying to get it wholesale. <laughs> Don't make me feel good to pay fifty dollars for a gift with somebody when I can pay five or I can get ten for fifty. You understand what I'm saying? Come on, y'all, and let's let's get beyond this. I get tired of being the one that's always gotta, you know, look for scrounge for everything and all this kind of stuff. Well quit scrounging. Who told you you had to give everybody a gift anyway? You understand what I'm Don't stress yourself out. If you want some righteousness says let your request be made known unto God and get his peace about it. If you don't get his peace, leave it alone. It ain't for you to do. 
I understand wanting to bless people, but come on now. You don't stress yourself out trying to bless somebody. You're blessed to be a blessing. And excess blessing on your life falls over onto people. That's how they get blessed. See, shame will make put iniquity in everything you want to do. It will mess it all up every single time. Because we see it as a contest. Who's got the most whatever. I don't know what you got. I don't care what you got. I'm trying to get something for myself. That's my focus. I'll bless you, pray for you, help you any way I can. But I could care less. Not impressed with people's goods. I'm impressed impressed with mine. You understand? (laughs) That's not the purpose of this life. It's goods. People make themselves nuts over nothing. I lost myself in my notes totally. <laughs> so I'm going to go back and catch us up so I make sure I, I, I give you everything that, that I felt like God it says, this, uh, it says here in our definition of shame. I want to go back to that. It's a painful emotion caused by a strong sense of guilt, embarrassment, and unworthiness and disgrace. It's one that brings dishonor, disgrace, and condemnation. It also means shame also comes when we are disgraced by somebody surpassing us. So see, shame will cause you to compare yourself with other people. It's always there to do that. The self is perceived as defective, unacceptable, or fundamentally damaged. Not damaged by circumstances, but fundamentally damaged. It's just in you and there's nothing you can do about it. It is often confused with guilt, but guilt refers to a specific behavior as unacceptable. Remember we said if you do something to violate your morals, your rules, your conscience, then guilt pursues, but you can get rid of guilt. So lying (coughs) causes guilt in some people. Profanity will cause guilt in some people. Then some people think cussing's cute. Now don't act like you ain't been there. You know, I mean, you can sit up and watch one of them stupid movies that I get caught watching sometimes. I'm not going to mention no names, but you all know what they are. <laughs> and they, you know, now the regular channels bleep out all the bad words. So you sit there, <laughs> you mean to tell me they bleeped out a whole 15? No, you know what I'm saying, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's it. Your soul can get accustomed to what used to cause it to recoil. You got me? That's what we're doing now with homosexual lifestyles. We're being desensitized to the sin of it. And the conversation is being diverted over onto something else. Why? Because those people that are caught in that lifestyle feel the shame of it. They feel the guilt of it. And so in order to get rid of the guilt, then they have to blame it on somebody else. So the the Christian gets blamed. And the Christians, a lot of them are crazy enough to take the blame. Oh, well, maybe I don't love those people. That's not the issue. You can love them all you want to, but if they don't repent, they're going to hell. 
That's what we're here to save them from a fiery eternity. Not to feel guilty or not guilty whether we love them or not. Stupid. That's not the issue. But see, your own shame will cause you to feel ashamed and absorb guilt for what they do. And they go off merely doing it more and you're sitting up feeling stupid about it. Thank you, Ms. Wada. You get one person that understands it. But you folks, you got to be careful about this kind of stuff. Because little bit by little bit, we are being desensitized to what we're supposed to spring us into action to help people and bring them Christ. And we think it's all okay. It's just... Being like Carlton Pearson, thinking everybody's saved already. You got me? There's no hell anymore? And what are you doing this for? You might as well go have a party yourself. Because it's all worth nothing. That's how it starts. The desensitization. So all of the things that will cause us, cause us guilt, those things can be kind of washed away. You don't, you rationalize them. Everybody does it. It's not so bad. God understands. All that kind of stuff. Shame, in shame though, the self feels bad all the time. It's not just related to an action, but sometimes your soul will want to attach an object to the shame just so it makes sense to you. Because if you ever come to the realization that that sense of shame is a ripoff and Jesus has paid the price for you not to have that, you can deal with and get rid of it. The enemy doesn't want he wants you chasing it around all the time and thinking you can't get rid of it. So shame really tells you that you are defective. So when you're defective, you try to cover up and hide. Things that we feel that we are that are not uh, in our best interest to promote, we tend to want to hide them. And so we hide them in different ways we cover up. So when people uh, joke about certain things, we feel that uneasiness on the inside and you you kind of close in. You don't laugh about it. You don't. You understand? I mean, sometimes it's not funny. But, you know, if you're too sensitive about it, you understand what I'm saying? It's shame. So, you know, if that's the situation... You need to talk to God about rooting that thing out and not be so easily offended. You know what I'm saying? If you walk in love, you're not easily offended. It doesn't doesn't have to have a damaging effect on you or your soul when words are spoken like that. Sometimes people will, will come to the defense of certain things or certain ideas or certain, you know, a little too much. Because there's something lurking in there that causes them to have some kind of an attachment to that idea. Shame is sensed when one is hiding regarding himself. You're hiding regarding yourself. Not anything you've done. Not anything. But it's an inheritance. That's why many times shame will be attached to other people in your life. Here comes honey boo boo. 
you got me you know <laughs> it's always that fear of somebody in the family showing up with no teeth chewing tobacco no shoes on you understand what I'm saying and so and it's because the shame in this iniquity is an inherited thing so you can easily associate it with family members my parents are always ashamed I mean children are always ashamed of their parents and parents are always ashamed of their kids you know your kid will go somewhere you take them to dinner and you just on them all the time about the right silverware to use not like you taught them huh but it's easily attached to somebody that's close to you because you got it from somewhere you understand it's always been with you so really your shame is almost like a family member it's like a relative and so you can always attach shame to them it's, it's a very common thing you know you get out somewhere and you know my mother was always making sure we looked good and stayed in line and sat there right there and you know you couldn't move and if you had an accident with your bladder and she, you know she was even more shamed and went, well I couldn't move you told me not to go anywhere huh? it's always extended to the family members always or it would the opposite if, if they are doing something that really is damaging then we cover up for it try to make it not as bad because really inside we, we feel bad about them you understand we're ashamed of them so it's something that's easily attached and, and you leave it as an inheritance for your family members so it's it's easy to pass off that way shame is sense I said when one is hiding regarding himself the source of shame is difficult to pinpoint because it's so elusive because of where it comes from. It's in interwoven into the fiber of our souls. Just as Eve covered herself, we all inherit this feeling of unworthiness and unacceptability. And especially it gets triggered when certain topics or issues are discussed. Feelings of shame can be triggered when there's a confusion in our situation. Say for instance you, you, you go out to dinner with somebody you think is an important person. Say a boss invites you and you know your boss is very wealthy and they live in a certain area and all this kind of stuff you get confused your mind and people will tell try two different tactics they'll try to make it like it doesn't exist at all to be nervous about being in that situation and they'll in their confusion they'll do something really stupid and embarrass themselves for real or they'll try and hide it and pretend like it's not a big deal and just have a rotten time the whole time because they're so anxious and nervous about things I've been there been there many times and I had to learn how to look at people as people and how to accept where I was and if I needed help with something I would ask somebody for help with something or make a, a comment that wasn't offensive to them or condemning to them or pointing the finger trying to push it off in the wrong way but to somehow get myself in a place of peace safety and comfort so that I wouldn't get stupid 
you know, and have the, the results of foolishness in a situation. Some people get so anxious and confused, they make mistakes anyway. You got me? You wind up doing the wrong thing anyway because you pushed it down for so long, not acknowledged it. Here it's popped up on you all of a sudden. See, it's hard to live your life in such a way that you won't, this thing won't ever get exposed. And see, some people live their lives in, in kind of a control situation to keep from being uncomfortable with their shame but it's going to happen anyway because God will get you in a place where you you've got to depend on him because he wants these things dealt with this is a baggage that you carry around that you don't have to carry around now that you've received Christ see we don't have to live in this little bubble of anxiety and fear and not wanting people close to us oh God if they ever found out you know what I'm saying oh God you know? and, and, and all you have to do is get in and correct these things you understand what if they're really an issue you know you get in and correct these things because God loves you and he wants you to feel comfortable and peaceful in every single situation in life he doesn't want any door closed to you he doesn't want any situation to tax you or cause you anxiety that's why Jesus went to the cross he went to the cross for the dinner invitation with with eight pieces of silverware on the table and you don't know what to do with the first three of them so you eat everything with your knife <laughs> and your confusion at least pick up a fork and if there's soup you got me but it's amazing tablecloths can shock people you understand what I'm saying? I, seriously. It, it's amazing the things that we carry inside of us where we're inadequate and then we get in situations and we're nervous. We can't think. We can't, you understand, we can't function because of that. And so Jesus died so you can be comfortable in every situation. Why don't we stop and we'll pick it up next. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We bless you and praise you. We thank you, Lord, for believing in us, helping us, encouraging us. We thank you for allowing us the opportunity to come to you without shame. Come to you knowing we have a place with you. Come to you knowing that you accept us and you're here to help us. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. If anybody